Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. I do want to uh, open up in prayer, but I want to read my opening text here, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 12, and it reads this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I want to uh, begin today a series that I'm going to be teaching throughout October uh, entitled Marriage Matters. Marriage Matters. And um, I'm going to start with part one. I'm going to be teaching um, three parts. Um, part one's going to be dealing with companionship. Uh, part two, I'm going to be uh, focusing on roles. And part three, I'm going to be focusing on problems because we know married people have problems. If, if you don't, if you're not married, um, uh, I tell you, you're going <laughs> to welcome you to problems when you get married. All right. And then and then the last last um, uh, some some giggling too much. Uh, <laughs> the, the last uh, lesson or I should say part is going to be a conversation and uh, we're going to have a little bit of a panel. And, and I just want to encourage you these. This is the only lesson I'm going to be teaching on a Sunday. Uh, all the other lessons will be in the midweek, so please be a part of those midweek services so you can be a part of these lessons. Um, and then we're super excited at the end of the month on Saturday, October 29th, we're going to have a Marriage Matters brunch at 11 a.m. and uh, all married couples, all married couples are invited to be a part. I have guest uh, speaker coming in, uh, brother and sister Bibi out of Greer, South Carolina. They're an awesome couple. And then they're going to stay over that Sunday and preach to us as well. But it's just going to be a good time. And I'm grateful that um, we're, we're focusing on some things today, uh, things that matter. And that's our marriages and, and what that means. But I want us, if we can, before we go further, I want us to get a hold of God and ask him to bless us. Would you go ahead and bow your heads with me right now? Dear God, thank you. Thank you for this time and season we have right now, Lord, to be together. God, I thank you, Jesus, for your love. I thank you, Jesus, for your covering and your keeping. I pray help us today. I pray strengthen us today. Thank you, Lord, for waking us up, Lord. I, I am so grateful for the air in my lungs, the strength in my body. I, I'm grateful I can clap my hands and lift my voice and shout to praise I pray help us today. Strengthen us. Let this, let this lesson, Lord, seep into our hearts today. And I pray help me your teacher. And in your name I pray. Would you say that name with me? Jesus' name. Amen and amen. High five somebody before you're seated.
goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Marriage matters to God. Now, it's just not a, a somewhat matter. It's, it's a big time matter. It's the most important bond of unity that God has ordained to thrive throughout all this earth. Now, it's even greater than that. Marriage is not just the model for the temporal. God didn't just design a husband and wife to join together just to make earthly time go by or for us to populate humanity's race. God chose the companionship of marriage to be his template for the relationship with him. This type of companionship ripples through prophecy. I'm going to read a few verses to make a, a point here that you see all through Scripture and you see the underlying, how, how God is speaking in, in prophetic words what a marriage is. He says in Isaiah 61, and these are just a few verses. There are so many more. Isaiah 61 and 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride or ordineth, ordaineth, or um, am I speaking right today? <laughs> Adorneth, thank you, herself with her jewels. Isaiah 62 and 5 says, For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. There's this, there's this marriage he's speaking about in prophecy in the Old Testament that continues to grow and continues to see itself all the way through our most holy book. We begin in Revelations 21 and 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 9 of that same chapter says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Revelations 22 and 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. There is this consistent undertone of, of, of a marriage. And I, I, it's more than just the spouse next to you today. All right? It's a huge thing, but it, it is, it's rooted in, in that relationship that God designed at the very beginning of all humanity that I am going to love you, I am going to care for you like a husband cares for a bride. That's a big deal. That's a, this is why the institution of marriage is so deep-seated into our belief that no government can redefine it. All right. Yeah, I, I, I want us to understand that this, this, this is so important. Even, even uh, Jesus, um, he, he, he talks about this. But before I bring that up, I want to talk about even how we heard the marriage supper of a time in Revelations 19 and 6. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipoteth reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice. Give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come. 
And his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen in the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. This is, this is that invitation, right, to eternal salvation. This is that, this is getting to the table. This is being a part of that special time together. And so it's so vital that we pick up these cues and pick up these instructions and we understand how they fit into our marriages. Jesus now would say this, that he would, he would focus so much on marriages that he would even liken it and put it into our thoughts on how we need to really be ready for salvation. He says in Matthew 22 and 2, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which made a marriage for his sons. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. All right, we know the rest of that story. It's about these excuses that are given. And he says, you know, go out to the highways, the byways, the hedges, everywhere. Find those. It's so vital that we are in the marriage. Right? It's probably no coincidence that Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. I, 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 we have to understand the emphasis of marriage is deep-seated throughout the Word of God. And the reason is because God desires pure companionship. And there isn't a better level of companionship than that of marriage. I want to really return to my opening text because out of my opening text is where we're really going to break down some things. Um, Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This text is such a great text when it talks about the power and the strength and the purpose of companionship. And for the remainder of this lesson, I want to focus on the four areas that show purpose, that show, that show the reason and the strength of companionship within that text. The first thing, the first purpose of companionship, number one, is labor. When the Word of God said two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. He was talking about this companionship that needs to come together. The same companionship that you have with your spouses, that you have with someone that you're growing in. That it, you have to have a relationship that it's about to accentuate and strengthen each other in labor. Now, I'm not talking about just labor pains when it comes to having a child labor. I'm talking about work. I'm talking about grinding it out in life. I'm talking about all those things. For instance, that, that word labor in the Hebrew is not just there for the word labor only. Actually, it's a phrase for their labor. So it takes that one word and combines binds it as a phrase, as in, it, as in it's a, not labor alone, but labor in unity. 
for their labor in the Hebrew is amal, which means, of course, labor, but also means trouble. It means worry, and it means whether, worry of whether of the body or the mind. It means sorrow. But one thing that really popped out of me, it means a wearing effort, meaning it wearing away. And in companionship, I want you to know and understand, you have that spouse to help you when things get really tough. When you begin to labor in life, that's when you have to understand our companionship needs to grow stronger. We have to, have to lean on each other. Not just lean on each other, but work with each other. The, you know, that, that statement, lean on each other, is the one we use. We throw it around a lot, and I just did there. But I, uh, by this verse, it's not leaning on with each other. It's, it's both hands at the plow with together. It's, it's working together. It's, it's making sure you're both accountable to that same labor of working together saying we're in this in the tough times right how many how many remember those vows you you said so many years ago some some said it not too long ago but you know right through thick and thin all those things better or for worse richer for poor sin and hell all these things, right? In those things, they're, they're together. They're in companionship in those things, right? Now, how many of you would, as you were just so excited to stand up there on that, on that wedding day, when you said those vows, you really didn't understand the gravity of those vows until you, until you grow later, right? Especially when you were like, for richer, for poorer, you're just cheesing. I love it. I, I get to marry some people and I get to see the goofy faces of excitement. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, you don't know yet. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's something so strange and so weird. I, I've told this story before and I repeat it again, but you know, on paper, me and my wife, you know, we both had uh, uh, jobs that, you know, paid bills. And when we were engaged, we're like, this is just going, we are going to put these two incomes together and we're going to make a transformer. And we're just going to rule, you know, we're thinking one, two incomes, just one household who can withstand us, right? Power team, power couple. <laughs> Right, but man, reality is that we came together, and all of a sudden she loses, she can't find work, and my job just falls underneath all these things, and now we we are definitely living in the poorer section of that vow, and we're realizing something there that you know what we we said our vows. And we, we, we met them, and we're going to be tested by them. The same is with any married couple. You are going to be tested by those vows you spoke out loud, and especially when it comes to the labor. Because let me tell you, the purpose of companionship found within our marriage is meant to produce a favorable outcome when it comes to the shared burden of labor. And the reason I say favorable outcome is because I reread that verse. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. A good reward. That's a favorable outcome. That's, I want you to take some courage today. I want you to, I want as a married couple in the house today or a married couple maybe listening to this, this lesson later on, take some encouragement today and say, this is supposed to happen. 
Tough times is, is par with this course. Okay? I'll use some sporting terms here. I mean, it's uh, it, it, golfing terms here. It, you're, going to, you're going to see sand bunkers everywhere. You're going, it is part of it. You are coming to uh, one of the holes where it has water. I'm telling you, me, I don't know what's wrong with me. I mentally cannot hit the ball over any body of water. I don't care if it's just a foot wide, it's going in there somehow. We're a great vibe. I just say, I'm just going to drop it on the other side. Just go ahead and mark me up. I'm telling you that we think sometimes in our love and our excitement, especially at the beginning, well, we're just walking on clouds. No, it is labor is, is definitely in our future. Labor, the sorrow is going to happen. Pain is going to happen. Tough times, you're going to lose family members. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be uh, uh, you're going to lose jobs. You're going to you're going to possibly lose uh, a family. You're going to you're possibly going to lose a child. It, all these things, all those all those things are laborious on the soul. This is when companionship says, you know what? Two is better than one. Right. Be encouraged that we have this purpose together, especially when it comes to our labor. The second purpose for companionship is found in this verse. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. The second purpose of companionship is balance. That word fall in the Hebrew is nafal. It, it means to fall, but it also means to be cast down, to fail. But it also interestingly means to lie down or to lay down. There's times, I'm just going to be honest with you, marriage is going to be taxing on you where sometimes you are just, uh, the balance is off, the, you're just tired, you're worn out, things are just not going the way it used to go when you were in love. It becomes now, marriage becomes a real duty instead of a privilege. These things happen, I'm just telling you. And, and those who have been married for a good while, I know you know what I know. And I'm telling you that there's a time where it's more than just life pushing you off your kilter. Sometimes you're so tired, you just lay down. Sometimes you're so exhausted that you just give up. But there is a helpmate in your companionship that's there to help when you fall. That's there to help you even when you're exhausted and you're tired. That's why, man, I, I, I make this, uh, this point about me and my wife. I'm so grateful that my wife, she is, uh, she is uh, I'm just going to, I love you all, but she's the best person I've ever known. And, and um, I'm, I just really think, so grateful for her <laughs> because, man, there are times when I'm just so tired of y'all. <laughs> not y'all I mean pastoring period I mean I mean just, just, just oh y'all oh, you know, you know, don't make me point <laughs> no but just the weariness of working in, in ministry and there's times I'm just, man, I, 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 get, I get down on myself. And those times is when my wife is up. 
And she, she cheers me up, picks me up. She, she lies to me, says, no, babe, you did preach good that day. She, she, does, she says the same the things that matter to me to help me to feel better. But in all honesty, yes, when I'm low, she's, she's high. And I found that the case to be when, I, when she's low, I'm, I'm high. And I'm grateful for that, 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 that teeter-totter kind of there. Because we're just up and down sometimes. Not saying we're up and down like mentally. But we're, could you imagine if we were both the same person? Could you imagine if in our lows, we shared our lows together? Because I will be honest with you, if we did, we wouldn't be here. Who knows what we would have done? I don't know. But let me just express to us that it is so vital in your companionship that you work hard to balance each other out. Encourage your spouse when you see them low. Please, say something that's sweet and nice. Buy him, a, buy him some chocolate. That always works for my wife. Do things that do things that that you take note. Sometimes it's so easy to look at our own issues and look at our own problems and all those things that go with life that we have to struggle with. But don't forget, you're in this together, right? right. The life is the life you share, and you have to understand that together we have a purpose, and that purpose in companionship is to keep each other balanced. This world, I'm telling you right now, this world is attacking your footing at every every minute, every corner. It's trying to, it's trying to push you over. It's trying to take you out. Another Hebrew meaning for that word nafal is to rot. Hmm. It says, for if they fall, the one will lift up the fellow. Another way of saying it is for if they rot away, the one will lift up his fellow. It makes me understand something about anything that rots. Uh, something that rots doesn't rot right away. It's a process. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. The right temperatures, the... The, the water, the things that attack things, you know, the foundations could be messed up. It, uh, it all give many reasons why there's rot in things. And I'm telling you right now that, that in, in your relationship with your spouse, let me just, let me encourage you, have a talk. <laughs> Unearth some things. Let me tell you how a, a building inspector, when they go uh, to look at houses, they look underneath the house to check for rot. Okay? That's the stuff we need to do in our own marriages. We need to start unearthing some things to check foundations. And that is so important for us to have real conversations. How about, how about this? This is a real question. Are you happy? No, I'm not happy. <laughs> no, or, or yeah, or um, what do you hear? You're going to hear this. What do you mean? Probe more. Pull, pull back another layer of, 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 of sheeting to check some things. I'm saying where we're at in life, where we're at together as a couple, where we're at together spiritually in church. 
Are we happy? Are you happy? I want to find out those things in your life that are being attacked because I'm telling you right now, I, 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 again, I'm going to refer to my wife again over and over. She's the, the greatest helpmate I've ever had and, and ever will have. And I, 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 I want you to understand she has, uh, especially when we first got married, that first year, um, the first six months in my head was the greatest six months of my life. Because what happened was is I got to marry my best friend and I still got to hang out with my other guy friends. Did you catch that? Six months. There was a moment where we, we were leaving church and I just noticed her, her demeanor slowly changing. I noticed, I noticed that she was uh, not, not as uh, the same as the, the, the girl that I married. There were certain things that I could tell that she seemed worn down and weathered and, and tired about some things. And, and at first I was just like, oh, maybe she's just having a day or whatever. And I would, I would brush it off and I wouldn't really think of anything else. And I, I, my, my friends would call up and say, hey, you're coming to the game? And I'm like, hey, let me, let me, yeah, I believe so. Let me check my, hey, babe, do you care if I go play that game? You know, if I go over there and meet them and her sweetness, sure, babe, have fun. And I would leave, and I would go, and there she was at home by herself. She did this for about six months until finally we're leaving church one day, and I can just tell she's totally shut down. And, and we pull out into the driveway, and uh, I just, it was so funny because I, I, could, I could vividly remember us about to pull left or right wherever we were going, and I just had to get it off my chest. I was like, what's wrong with you? What's your deal lately? Why aren't you, why aren't you happy? And she couldn't hold it back anymore. She just starts bawling. She starts crying. She's like, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm miserable. I'm like, I have no friends here. And there's, there's no one I get to really, you know, connect with. She's like, you dated every girl in this church, and I have no one else to hang out with. <laughs> Touche. Touche. And she says, she says, and, and two, you're always leaving me. And man, boom, I, I had this, this awakening moment that I realized that this entire time she was just pleasing me and trying to be someone who was just wanting to just be open hearted all the time and, and, and make me happy. And I took advantage of that in my own ignorance. And I decided then and there, I'm, I have to re remember I'm married. That, that, that old life that I used to have, those going places and hanging out with that individual, individuals, it, it changes. It doesn't mean it ends, but the schedule changes. And she's got to be my number one at all times. And I had to grow up really, and I had to own up to, to the things that, you know what, it's unfair to you that I moved you away from your home. It's unfair to you to put you in a church that I dated every girl there. That's unfair to you. <clears throat> it's unfair. I get all those things, but what's truly unfair is that I, I, didn't, I didn't notice the rotting away, right? I didn't notice the fact that you were falling down. 
And I want us to understand when it comes to companionship, you have a strong purpose, a strong job to do. You have to. You have to worry about each other's balance, each other's foundations. Here's a truth I want to bring back up in that particular verse because it, it it's, it's just the way it's going to be. We're all going to lose our balance at some point. Because the verse reads this. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him. I want us to understand this. Companionship is not only meant to address, you know, the rotting away and, and to be a maintenance but it's really there to reset balance because you're going, you are going to have times where you fall. You're, you are going to have times where you stumble. You are going to have times where your spouse is, is definitely not in the same place you're at, but you as the companion needs to work so hard to pick them back up. I'm, I, I, I'm saying this, uh, hopefully someone's listening to me here today, because you have, in a, in, a, in a relationship, in a companionship relationship, you have the ability to pick somebody up. That's awesome. I, I want to move forward here. The, the third purpose of companionship is found in the next verse. Again, if two lie together, they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? I want to focus on comfort. That's what companionship brings. It brings comfort. The purpose of companionship found within our marriage is to help each other find that place, that real place of comfort. And I'm not talking about like what my wife does when I am nice, toasty, warm in bed and she puts her cold feet on my leg. I'm not talking about that. But I partially am talking about that. Right? Because when you got cold feet, who are you going to put them on? Right? If you're, if, you're, if you're in a place where you're uncomfortable, who are you going to lean on to be comfortable? It is so important that we understand in our companionship that my job and my duty is to make sure that we're comfortable together in life. And I'm, I'm uh, yes, I, I, I'm talking about even financially. You should, be, you should be working together to, to, to pick yourselves up financially. Get yourself out of some things financially, right? Get, pay things off. Don't be in debt. You don't want to be in debt when you're in marriage. Amen? God, you don't want to be in debt. But the thing is, it's more than just warming feet. It's about warming the heart. It's about making sure each other are comfortable in the climate that you're living in. A, a comparison uh, that, that I just put there with just, you know, that simple thing is not necessarily exactly what I'm getting to. But what I'm trying to get to is that you'd be surprised how often, how often in life, but how often in different environments, your companion is very uncomfortable. Let's use church, for example. It is very, it's a true story that companions in church, one is more uncomfortable than the other. And there's, that's a question we have to ask within the relationship. What, and have those conversations. Man, I hope, I hope you don't come to church and say, woo, that was a good church. And you say it in here and you walk out the door and you don't have a conversation about church until next Sunday. 
Have a conversation on what God spoke to you about that message. Have a conversation on how, how you re- interpreted it. How did you take it in? How, did, how is it going to address us? How is it going to fit our cir- circumstances, our situations? How is it going to grow us? And how are we going to implement that work, right? How are we going to start putting that word to works in our life? Right? It's like when, when the minister gets up and says, man, you've got to, you got to work. Don't be careful what you put before your eyes. Right? Be careful what you watch and what you ingest spiritually. Right? That's the conversation that you would go and have with your wife. You know what? Let's bind together that we're going to not watch this, 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 and this. Let's change our habits together. Because let's, let's be real honest here. How many of you like to diet? I didn't think so. (laughs) Here's another question. How many of you like to diet on your own? I tell you, we all have those moments where like, I've got to, I've got to do something different. I need to make sure I, I, I put in the effort. When you go ahead, you make yourself the nicest looking salad that's ever been made. The tastiest salad that any rabbit would just slobber over. Right? And then your companion, your spouse comes with a full rack of ribs. The most glistening fatty pork that's wafting in the air and smacking your spouse in the nostrils. And there you are, it's just, yeah, you have this, you have this kind of like, wow, this is, this is hard to do. Let me just say it's the same as spiritually. Hard for one companion to decide to be more prayerful in the morning when the other just won't do it. It's hard for that companion to say, you know what, I want to give to God more, but we have a shared bank account. I need you to be on the same page with me. It's hard to do. I'm, I'm trying to get to some things that as a companion, our job is to make sure we address and we talk about where we're comfortable together. You've got to be on the same plane. I, I, I've made this point before that you know, in Acts chapter uh, uh, 5, uh, yes, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, right? Yeah. right? We know that they were taken out by the Holy Ghost for lying to the Holy Ghost. But they came together and made this lie together. That was the only thing they did right was come together in unity in that moment. But how interesting that is even too with our sin. Now, let me just say this. When, when a couple is backsliding, it's the, it's the full couple that typically leaves. Because I'm telling you right now, it's hard. It's hard to be in companionship if you're not comfortable together. And it's our job to make sure that if we're together, we got to worry about our comfort. A companion needs to worry about the comfort of the other. It should be on our hearts. The fourth, the fourth uh, point I want to make in this text, in the verse that it says, If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. The purpose of companionship is defense. All right? This is a matter of... This is a matter of protecting each other. It's a matter of guarding each other. There is no greater attack institution than that of our marriage. Why is that? It's because marriage isn't earthly. 
It isn't. It's a practice that we do on earth. But again, I, I made my point earlier that it's a, it's a part of eternity. It's spiritual. And I'm telling you, this world is attacking as spiritual things, and especially a marriage. Let me tell you, this, this, the way God designed it, spiritually designed it and ordained it to live throughout eternity, it's amazing. And we have to understand that as a companion, my companionship is meant to make sure that I'm on guard for my spouse, that I'm, 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 we're fighting together, right? We're going to make sure that we're going to prevail against our enemies. We're going to make sure that, you know, I, if someone's coming against you, they're coming against me, right? It's so important that it's two, two shall withstand those things that are attacking Notice the last statement. A threefold cord is not easily broken. The relationship with God that, that's added to our companionship with our spouses is that third strand, that braid that comes in and interweaves. And let me say this, it can absolutely interweave within your labor, within your balance, within your comfort, and within your defenses. That's what, if you put God in all of those things... If you, if you bring God into your work, if you bring God into the times where things are rotting away, if you bring God into helping you in those, in those seasons of uncomfort, right? If you bring God into your, into your attack, I promise you, I promise you, God before you, Amen. who can be against you? I end with this. We can all stand. Really want us to understand today, and I want you to have. I'm going to give give you a little bit of some homework uh, for you to leave here with. Uh, please have a conversation with your spouse. Are we happy? Address some things that we used to do. That you address the the initial things of sources of happiness. Now, I, I'm speaking to, to uh, of course, who I know families in here, marriages in here that have, have grown in years and years, and they've had children, and those things change, right? Children change so much. But here's the deal. It shouldn't necessarily just change. Children should be an addition. They add to, and they, 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 they continue to grow upon. But the thing is, the the main foundational things that you as a husband and wife found together in marriage need to stay consistent regardless of what child you have. There shouldn't be a child in your family that should pull you apart. Right? Get back. Have those conversations. I want to I speak about how powerful, how powerful companionship looks in the eyes of God. In Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read a few verses here, but I, I love Genesis chapter 1, right? Genesis chapter 1 talks about um, the creation and God making it. And I love, I love how he did it. You know, it's kind of like a baker. I don't know, anyone here like to make cookies or, or just, how many of you made some sweets during the hurricane, right? You didn't know? What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> some are on a diet, so... But, there, you know, when you're, when you're in that, sometimes that all you have to do is cook or bake or do something like that. So, but there's sometimes you make something and you step back and you're like, that looks good, right? 
You're like, good job, me. But look how God says it here. Let's, I'm going to read a few verses. Verse 4 of Genesis 1. And God saw the light, that it was good. Man, this is good. And God divided the light from the darkness, jumping it down to 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together the waters called he the seas. And God saw, man, this is good. This is good. Verse 12, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after this kind. And man, what did God say? God saw it, that it was good. Jumping to verse 18, and to rule over the day and over the night to divide the light from the darkness. He's talking about this time. And he said, wow, I like this setup. God saw that it was good. Verse 21, and God created whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God looked at those birds and fishies and said, man, that's good. Verse 25, and God made the beast of the earth after his, after his kind, the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God saw that it was good verse 31 God saw everything that he made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day now in Genesis chapter 1 and 27 the Bible gives us the verse where he makes man God's, God cre created man in his own image and in the image of God created he him right both male and female, but in that verse, he doesn't say it was good. He doesn't even make mention after he makes man and says it's good. And he's really looking at man and he says, you know what? Genesis chapter 2, 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good, what? That man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And I was, and it was, that moment where God looks upon humanity says, it ain't good until there's companionship. Right. So what God deems to be good, I'm telling you what, it's, it's a powerful thing. We have to understand that our companionship that we have in our marriages, God approved. God stepped back and said, this is good. I hope, I hope my marriage can be good in the eyes of God. I hope, I, hope, I hope you're hearing me today that this series, as we go forward, I want us to grow in our marriages. I want us to grow in our relationship. I want us to grow in our companionship. And I want us to have some real questions that unearth some things that are rotting away. I'm telling you right now, any marriage worth its salt is being attacked at its foundation. Please, check the foundations of your marriage. Guard each other. Worry about, about each other's balance. Make sure you're working in labor together. Make sure you're comforting each other. All those things we just went over. We have a job to do in our relationship. Would you bow your heads with me today? God, thank you. Thank you for this season. Thank you for this time. God, I pray, help us in our companionship. Help us with our spouses. Help us to have those conversations that unearth some truths and really get down to some things and, and it makes things just clear 
clear because, God, we need you. We need to put you and interwine you into all of our needs and all of our purposes. God, because that three cold, that three cord, it's, it's not easily broken, Lord. And I don't want to be broken, Lord. I want us to be strong. I want us to be unified. And I want to be good in your sight. I thank you, Lord. And in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for your faith. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 